Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Good evening, White Sox fans, and welcome into the Sox on Tap podcast. I am Giannani, hashtag back on the mic, Tony Marchese, NWI Steve. Joining me, gentlemen, how are we doing this fine evening? We're doing. It's uh, the winter meetings, and literally nothing has happened for our beloved Chicago White Sox. Would you like to see my shock face? I'm wearing my sunglasses so you can you know, not have to see the shock in my eyes at what happened over the past few days down in San Diego. What didn't happen. What didn't happen down in San Diego. Did so you know I'm San gonna... Diego was discovered by the Germans in 1904? Mm, really? Ah. Yeah. Does it send... loosely translate to something? It, it, I believe it, it, it was discovered by the Germans, and it means a whale's vagina. <laughs> ah. What a wonderful town. San Diego. Johnny, I, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm happy you're back here talking White Sox baseball with uh, Steve and I. We've been keeping the hot stove warm, so to speak, um, especially in the, the Sox on tap uh, text messages. The other day we were we were lighting some fires in there. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. But on the uh, on the grand scheme of things here, Johnny, it's, it's just good to have you hashtag back yeah, on, it, on these airwaves. Guys, it's good to be back. Obviously not a whole lot going on with the team so it's kind of just this sort of apathy that steve kind of elaborated on in uh his post over at ontapsportsnet.com and, and steve when you wrote your winter meetings preview uh, i you know was looking through it and it was sad but also at the same time i agreed with everything because a the way that han prefaced all of the approach to the offseason shit he was doing it right during the last like couple of weeks of the season you just knew that nothing was going to go on. And guess what? Nothing did happen. So we don't have anything notable really to discuss from winter meetings per se. Obviously, Mike Clevenger, I know you guys talked about that. Jose Abreu's departure. But other than that, we're just kind of sitting and waiting and playing this passive game uh, right alongside Rick on. <laughs> you know, it must be really fun to be a fan of – a team maybe like the San Diego Padres who, you know, who are hosting these winter meetings or the Texas Rangers um, teams that are actively going out there trying to make their baseball team better. Hell, even the piss poor Cleveland guardians went out and made an acquisition to try to make themselves better. A team that literally won the division. Oh, never mind the fact that the Philadelphia Phillies who lost in the world series, you know, they decided to spend another $300 million for Trey Turner and then Taiwan Walker. That's what committed ownership kind of looks like. You lose the World Series, you fall just short, and you say, fuck it, we're going to keep going. We didn't do what we set out to do. We're not stopping. But we're Sox fans. 
I've got I've got very little words to follow that up with because you're just describing this like hashtag sad Steve utopia to me right now. And that is oh, you know, it's not you, a utopia, Anthony. It, well, it's the sad Steve utopia where, you know, we're White Sox fans and this is going to continuously happen over and over and over again. And, you know, I just I, I kind of rewind the clock to a time where Johnny and I were uh, talking on Chai Sox Weekly about how how nice it would be if Manny Machado would sign with the White Sox. And we went through that whole experience. And, you know, you see, you know, I, I forget who sent it out there, but uh, somebody I think it was John Heyman following up some arson judge stuff with, you know, Manny Machado might like opt out next year. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself can we as a fan base get up for the letdown twice? Can we? Because you know, if Manny Machado opts out of a contract next year, all of a sudden we're going to be doing this all over again. This offseason, to me, these winter meetings, you knew that they weren't in on, on the top end of a lot of this stuff. So the expectations for me were low. They weren't really rumored in to anything. I'm actually pleasantly surprised. And, you know, we've got Mike Clevenger in the house tonight here on the show. So I was pleasantly surprised that they even brought in uh, such a, a sexy name like Mike Clevenger uh, to come on here. I know Mike Clevenger. He's a really good guy. You know, he's he's on the show right here, right now with us. He's got great flow. But yes, he does. He does have great flow. And that's It's a wonderful addition to the flow squad. And, and I know Michael Kopech cut his hair. Uh, that was floating around on the internets um, as well. But back to the original point, guys, I wasn't really expecting anything. And it it just just still feels sad because even when we shouldn't expect something, like I'm I'm beaten yeah. down to this point where I, I'm not even pissed off. It's just kind of like, eh, it's totally. apathetic. It's that meme. It's I expect nothing and I'm still disappointed. Right? That's how it feels. Yeah. That's how it feels as White Sox fans. It's ridiculous. It, uh, man. Uh, one thing that I was just kind of thinking over, I. When you're talking about the winter meetings and just how some of these things play out, right? You want your team to obviously be active and improve the ball club. However, me and Tony discussed a little bit last night off air that since there's no action, right? There's nothing you can actually watch there. You're just kind of looking at reports that are coming out. You maybe watch MLB Network and they bring on guests and journalists and coaches and whatever. And you might get a little bit of a gist of from any of the interviews that they do or any reports that they're dropping there. But the only way to win is by doing stuff. And the White Sox just sat on their hands. Like we, once again, expected. However, you just feel worse about it because there's inactivity is almost, you know, like a loss in that regard. It's uh, just the way that the winter meetings aura is. But I mean, Rick Hahn did say something guys uh, to the media and said, why rush these things? Why do you need to make a bad signing on December 7th when you can make a good signing on January 6th? I, I don't understand where that line of thinking is, and I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on it. I mean, there's a couple of ways to look at this. You know, I think there is some merit to the point about the timing of an acquisition isn't necessarily the most important thing. If you go back, you know, four years when we were in the midst of all the Manny Machado, Bryce Harper craziness, those guys didn't sign till February, till right before camps opened. So had 
the Sox actually acted like a major market franchise and converted on one of those guys. Would anyone have been mad that it took until February versus it getting done in December at the winter meetings that were in Vegas that year? I would say probably not. But I think at this point, because there is just so much angst over how the 2022 season ended and recognizing the very obvious flaws with this team that once again have been identified by Mr. Lawyer Speak Boy, to see them not do anything to address it immediately, all it just does is add to the angst within the fan base that they're not going to do anything to address it. So we're in a position now where it's you don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore. I think even some of the most ardent Rickon supporters that are out there are getting pretty irritated by the fact that this team just isn't going out and addressing obvious holes. Well put. Um, I, I agree uh, with, with that. And it, it's the last memory that you have, like, obviously, you know, that whole season stings, but I don't know about you guys. The last memory I have of this White Sox team is getting swept out of our own ballpark by the guardians when we had a chance to, make one last push there right so that's the memory that's going to stick with you all winter so i feel like a lot of people are still hung up on that and rightfully so they, they didn't give you any reason for hope uh, in, in basically at any point last season and then hearing the lawyer speak as you alluded to there steve um it never offered any encouragement at least in some years past when they, at least they were in kind of a you know granted we know that they're not acting like a major market team and haven't been. Um, there was at least the hope that they were going to add uh, and that they were going to, you know, supplement what they had after 2020, after, you know, after 2019, um, going back to those periods of off season. So um, I had a bitter taste left my mouth and it's tasting even worse right now. So, I mean, I guess we can kind of just get to the point of, the the inaction over the course of the past few years makes you a little bit angry that the winter meetings were subpar, right? You didn't have that big splash. And Johnny, I think we, the the exact term was spending money in the off season is like make is is like winning ball games during the season, at least to your fan base in the in the fan base's eyes if there's still some credence to what Rick Hahn said today about, you know, when guys sign and maybe Steve, this comes back to more of a question just for you here, but because Rick doesn't have the benefit of the doubt when it comes to this stuff. And I still think it goes back to getting fleeced and stuff like the Tatis for James Shields trade and, and some of those I'm trying to add the finishing piece and I don't want to give up too much. I still kind of believe that that holds true. And you heard him talk. Maybe we've got to make a blockbuster. We had all these conversations. They were good conversations. It feels to me just on the surface that maybe he's got some cold feet when it comes to pulling the trigger on something that could be organizationally changing or giving up too much for a guy that doesn't work out. Look at some of the acquisitions that we've made, but from a fan standpoint, do you just want to see him pull the trigger on something? Like just just to pull the trigger on something. Maybe he's got his hands tied, but is that what's going to spin the White Sox in a more positive light? Obviously, the Mike Clevenger signing 
while some of us like it, Johnny, you and I have talked about it. We like it, but I don't think that that has shifted anything in the, in the direction of, of viable momentum for this White Sox organization to get that taste out of Johnny's mouth, to get that taste out of my mouth. I don't think making a move just for the sake of making a move is the right thing. I really believe that this team needs to be very strategic and calculated for lack of a better term because of the flaws and because of the uncertainty within the guys that are on the roster already. So I think, you know, the idea that we're just, we're going to make this trade just because we got to do something. I think that that's almost compounding the situation and making it worse. But I, I think to your point, there might be a level of, you know, gun shy, is that even a word? Probably not. I mean, within the front office. Johnny would know he's the editor. Johnny, <laughs> yeah. you need a quick ruling on this. Is, is gun shyness uh, an actual word? I'm going to say no. Okay. Um, it's not a can, word. Can we can we submit it to Marion's Webster yeah. dictionary place? <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, you can you can use the definition. Rick Hahn. Right I, Passivity. Um, that's 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 probably more the word you're looking okay. for. Okay. Okay. That's <laughs> hey, listen. That's why you're the brains of this operation yeah. <laughs> here. Um, you know, but like I said, just to me, making a move just to make a move might almost be the worst thing that can happen right now. And I know there's a little rumor going around um, the Twitter streets right now that I know we're going to dig into in a little bit here. And to me, that would be the very epitome of making a move just to make a move. Yeah. And I want to, I want to follow up on that. And I think that that's a good segue sort of into it, but Steve, you're also one of the the biggest proponents on Twitter and, and, and your, your voice is always heard on this. You want to see the white Sox spend money. And we've heard this over the course of a few off seasons, like you, the money will be spent. The, The memes have written themselves at this point. And so you're here talking about how they need to be calculated. And I think, you know, if you put a rational cap on, yes, there, there is some rational moves, but I think some of the frustration stems from you're not even at a, you're not even at a point where you can be near a seat at the table on guys like Aaron judge. And you hear the San Diego Padres are, you're you're not at a point where you're a player for Trey Turner or any of these other guys, you've got a second base hole and, and the storylines could be what shortstop are we bringing in to move TA over to second or somebody to, to, to just change positions because the Sox are going to be big players at the table. And so we had this discussion earlier this, this season about where you would be comfortable at a payroll level. So right now you're telling me that, you know, they've got to be rational with these moves in another sense. You've always kind of, provided that that thought process behind they need to be big players so which is it at this point in time so, okay okay so we can't we can't the you got to take into account the constraints that we know are in place yeah surrounding yeah Con. i think that's where steve's going to go with this exactly in an ideal world i want them spending 250 to 275 million dollars on payroll but i know that jerry reinsdorf still exists He is still walking the earth. He still intends to be buried with as much of his money as humanly possible. That has not changed. And until that fact change and his reign of terror over our beloved White Sox comes to an end, we know that 
this team needs to be smarter with what they do with the resources that they are given. Obviously, we all can agree that being prudent with the financial capital that has been provided to this point has not been a strong suit of this current front office. Whomever is in charge of that, I still maintain that it is a collaborative effort that is going on between the three-headed monster that is Jerry Reiser, Ken Williams, and Rick Hahn. But at the end of the day, they have to be smarter because we know that this owner isn't going to allow them to even approach the luxury tax. I mean, they're, they're, they're like $30 million below so the with, first luxury With that tax said, then, point. are you guys pissed off? With specifically, I guess, are you pissed off that Rick Hahn didn't get anything done? Should Sox fans be pissed off that that they didn't get anything done, or should we sit there and say, okay, maybe Rick went in there, had conversations, and and level set where he's at, and give him the benefit of the doubt that he still has work to do. Only Rick Hahn knows exactly where the number lies. I think so. When you go and see some misallocation last offseason in terms of bullpen arms brought in, you want that to be smart this year. At least that's where I sit in terms of actually getting guys that will fill holes legitimately and not beefing up just one area of the roster in hopes that it'll be a you know major strength. Obviously, you want to position yourself as best as you can. But we also know that since he's working under said constraints, that he needs to be smart with the way that he goes and spreads that around. So, and then again, he could make the best signings on paper. He could make the best trades on paper, but it won't mean squat until those guys produce at 35th and Shields. So that's also another factor behind it. So I'm kind of, yeah, a little, I guess, angst, angsty. <laughs> I think everyone is. I, I just want the White Sox to win baseball games, guys. That's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, so I'm angsty in that regard. However, um, we won't really know, even if the signings do look good. So he does make some signings that happen outside of winter meetings. They happen after the holiday season. Shit that happened close to camp. They could look good, but again, those guys fall on their faces. It won't. It will reflect poorly back on Rickon, and some of that his fault, some of it not. So we'll see. I think that was uh, pretty well articulated there, Jonathan. I mean, this is, again, why you are the wordsmith of the group here. I was just trying to get a sense of where you guys were at because there's there's a lot of anger, right? The mad online And there meter, should be. The, 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 the mad online meter is all all the way to max levels at this point. Tony, I think it's more of just a full experience at this point. That is where the anger stems from. What do we, you know, we signed ourselves up for this. And we know there's no getting out. Tannery, what are we yelling about? Like that, that's what I want to know. Where do we direct this? That goes back to, Tony, I still have a bitter taste in my mouth from the end of last season. And I don't know exactly the, I mean, there's no, surefire way like i said until you go and see the 23 2023 team play you won't know for sure if what they do ends up being correct even but the fact that there's not really a building block right even 2021 even as disappointing as that ds series against houston was you still had you felt better about this team right 
oh, at that absolutely. point because you, you thought that was a building block. Okay, well, now it's time to take the next step even further after that. And they took a big step back. So that that's that's at least where mine stems from, Tony. Because I mean, I just I just I, like I wake up every day, I text Steve, I see what what his mood level is, and I pretty have a good idea of what the direction of the White Sox are. So you know, I I want to I want to get a, a text from Steve that's that's positive and happy, and we know that things are heading in the right direction. I guess like the real the real end of the story here is what makes Steve feel better when uh, I ask him how you doing today. And he feels good about the White Sox. Um, you know, at this point, if you go out and if you give me a legitimate viable outfielder, that would make me happy. Okay, perfect segue here. We've got rumors about a potential outfielder coming in. I, I, I heard it through the grapevine, which is Twitter.com. That the the Sox are interested in Joey Gallo. Let's let's just go around here, Steve. You know more about the context of this. You're in the know, and uh, let, let's let's just break this down, and then Johnny and I can give some reactions to it. Yeah, I mean, there's a report that was kind of circling around the Twitter streets that um, in the coming days the Sox are going to be signing Joey Gallo to a, a one year deal and somewhere in the neighborhood of nine to ten million dollars, and. I wrote a couple weeks ago, a couple two tree piece talking about uh, Cody Bellinger, who is no longer on the market, and Joey Gallo, and how I had no interest in either one of those guys. And my point still stands. I know immediately after this report came out a couple hours ago, there were some people saying, oh, this is you know going to be a really good move for the Sox, and I just don't see it. For a year and a half, this guy, since he left the Texas Rangers, has not been good. We can talk all we want about getting rid of the shift, and is it possible that could be something that may potentially help his numbers a little bit? But the fact of the matter is he's not making a lot of contact. He's popping a lot of balls up, and this notion and this belief that he's going to come to the corner of 35th and Shields and be the left-handed bopper that this team has needed for years and years and that he's just all of a sudden going to be a 40-home run guy – I don't see it, and it doesn't make sense to me um, what the love affair is with him. And, you know, we were talking about this before we hopped on. You know, Anthony, you brought up the point about, you know, what what does Joey Gallo do that Gavin Sheets can't? And if you look at some of the projection systems, several of them have their weighted runs created plus right in line with each other. In fact, Gavin Sheets is, you know, a couple ticks higher. Uh, I think, you know, he, Gavin was projected to hit like 18 home runs according to Steamer while Gallo was 21. That's just simply not there's worth a, it. There's enough level right there, Steve. I'm, I'm just jumping at the bit because you brought up Gavin Sheets. But to me, when you have that three home run difference, both of these guys are going to benefit from the shift. I'll, I'll save some of this for – my segment here, but you're dead on with what I'm exactly thinking here. And I, I'm, I'm surprised that you're advocating for my boy, and but here, but it, people advocate for and, my boy. and ultimately, ultimately, what it, ultimately what it comes down to here though, is like I said, if Gallo is going to make nine to $10 million in salary on a one-year deal and Gavin will make like 950,000 to a million, I would have thought that in his illustrious academic travels to Harvard to Michigan and to Northwestern that somebody would have shown Rick Hahn 
how to build an appropriate valuation model. Because I tell you what, Joey Gallo sure as fuck ain't it. I'm I'm so happy we are on the same page with this, Steve, because t- to me this is misappropriation of funds, which is almost a fireable offense when when you want to talk about like honing in on, on a job. And I, I heard you know through the grapevine within the socks on tap texts that if you don't know the rules, you should be fired from your job. That was that was said the other day. Rick Hahn should know that when you have two players that you look at as a GM and one of them costs you a million dollars and one of them costs you 10 and one of them is younger and has team control and is the same handed at bat and everything you want to do. It doesn't matter that he's playing out of position. It almost feels to me, Steve, like he wants to double down on the, we've, we've got to fit. We got to let Jose Abreu walk because Andrew Vaughn's been playing out of position. So I can't play Gavin Sheets there either. So now I've got to go bring in Joey Gallo for $10 million to go play right field for the Chicago White Sox and do the exact same thing that Gavin Sheets was doing. It's atrocious general management if you bring in Joey Gallo to play right field for the Chicago White Sox when you just trotted out and had an experiment for two years letting Gavin Sheets patrol out there and try and develop some sort of skill to play the outfield. No, he wasn't fucking great, but he was cheap, and he was that left-handed bat that still had one less home run than Jose Abreu that people are fucking pissed off just left town. You got to let somebody develop at some point if you want to extract that value and go spend money elsewhere. If your plan in right field was to go spend $10 million to plug a hole with the exact same player that doesn't give you long-term value at all, this is potentially the most egregious signing that the White Sox are going to make, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, the, the art when Steve was talking at the beginning there, and he, he had written up the kind of you know pitfalls of both Cody Bellinger and uh, Joey Gallo, and obviously you guys covered a lot of what was there. And obviously now we got the Gavin Sheets comps when you're talking about projections and what they can actually bring to the table here. But hard pass was the first words that Steve used on that, and I agree wholeheartedly um, with the downturn. And Steve, you also brought up a point to steal from your brain. Um, If teams like the Dodgers, the Yankees were willing that that willing to move on from them, didn't think they could fix them. Some of the best, you know, development places in baseball. Um, the White Sox don't exactly, you know, you guys know my thoughts on White Sox player development. They don't have a great track record of it here. Um, so how are you going to extract that value to make Joey Gallo even worth nine to 10 to whatever it would be that range? Um, it's hard pass. That's where I'll leave it. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my my final point is if you have organizations that are actually smart, that have proven that they can take guys that maybe had some performance flaws and get the most out of them, if they are both willing to not show any interest in bringing back Joey Gallo, I don't know what makes people think him coming to the White Sox is going to be the cure for what ails him. We can talk all we want about a new coaching staff and new philosophies, um, several of which on the surface I like based off of what is is being said. But again, we don't know what is going to be applied 
in in practice here. So if this team believes or their goal is to somehow catch the Cleveland Guardians and prove that last year was a fluke and get that dead cat bounce, doing so on a guy that has been cast away by the smartest organization in the sport just doesn't make sense to me. I got one more thing to add to. We talked a little bit about the shift benefiting some of these guys and that sure it, it could, it could it, it, honestly, no matter where Joey yellow plays next year, whether that's the South side, whether it's somewhere else, it probably will benefit him and he'll pick up a few more hits. However, he still strikes out in an egregious rate and the white Sox. I don't know if they really need that in the mix uh, when you're talking about it. It's not like there's the upside of this guy is going to smack close to 40 home runs. That's not where he's at right now at this stage in his career. Um, and if he does go towards that trajectory, I'm going to have to question, see if there's something else going on, uh, whether that be juice balls, juiced uh, biceps, something like that. <laughs> Major League Baseball would never juice the baseballs, Jonathan. You know that. <laughs> no, no. No, Rob, 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 Man, Rob Manfred's an upstanding guy. Not no. that that wasn't even a thing in the news for baseball this week, but no. we'll, just, we'll glance no, over not. that. Yeah, it, it, look, it was totally coincidence that that came out just like right on the cusp of Aaron, of Aaron Judge signing his new deal. No yeah, I mean, just uh, back with the Yankees, right? It, it's not like they have different baseballs than everybody else does. That's That would never, ever happen in uh, in Rob Manfred's baseball. Uh, guys, I, I said this to Johnny when I was leaving the, the bar today. Why would you sign Joey Gallo after you – like, to me, you sign Joey Gallo, I'd rather have A.J. Pollock. And obviously he walked out of town here, but you made all these trades. I can see the upside higher. I that's, can see the upside what, yeah. higher, yes, on A.J. Pollock. Like, why didn't you invest time in building – a good relationship with AJ Pollock. If he, if the reports are true, he wanted more playing time and all of this other stuff. You let Adam Engel go. You got AJ Pollock walking out the door here. You've got one outfielder right now, plus an Eloy Jimenez, which is suspect as an outfielder. And you've got a first baseman in Gavin Sheets who knows how to play outfield. And obviously the plan as we see right now is for Andrew Vaughn to go play first base. So, why are why are all these outfield guys that are viable major leaguers, maybe not the best, they're walking out of town and you're going to go spend $10 million to bring Joey Gallo in, who's also a defensive liability. I, I just, I don't understand it. Well, it makes I, me I, I will say there that that may be one point that you could make for uh, Joey Gallo there, Tony. I will refute that a little bit because not saying it was just recently, he did have some decent defensive seasons with the Rangers, right? Didn't he win a gold glove at one point? Um, so there would be a little bit of an upgrade in that regard. However, when you go back and just look at what the number would be on that money, and we talked about spending wisely, right? Spreading it around to actually fill needs legitimately, it wouldn't be a good investment in terms of the value that he would provide you overall. So I will say that there might be a little bit of a defensive uptick that might catch an eye, but not not not, not, was, was... not not enough to move the needle. And it also is removed. He's removed from that right a few seasons. What like there... three, three four seasons ago. So there, there's just there's a lot of inconsistency with his defensive metrics depending on what um, what metric is looked at. Outs above average uh, baseball savants numbers did not particularly like him in 2022, but it, it was it was fascinating because 
in left field at Yankee Stadium, he graded out very poorly. But in left field at Dodger Stadium, he graded out above average. Conversely, in right field at um, at Dodger Stadium, he graded out poorly, but he graded out well at Yankee Stadium. So there was a lot of inconsistency yep. there. And then uh, Fangrass, their defensive run saved, actually had him as a, as a positive overall. So there's just not a consensus on what his defense is at this point and going from, you know, those various corner spots. Now I think obviously coming to a smaller ballpark, like what's at the corner of 35th and shields, I think would help um, versus the big gaps that exist out in Dodger stadium and some of those parks over in the NL West, but still to your point, Johnny, the defense is not enough to offset the right. inconsistency and the volatility in his game at the plate. Yep. Well said. Um, guys, I was, uh, if we don't have anything else on Joey Gallo specifically, I was going to talk about, um, I, I haven't scoured it too, too, too deeply. Cause I think everyone was kind of waiting for some dust to settle, right? See who would land where, see if there would be anyone except just the big name signed. And obviously not even all of the big names have signed here. And I know the white Sox aren't targeting that, but realistically then if we don't like Joey Gallo, I feel like it's dumb for us to just sit here and bitch about that. We've already gotten that out of the way. Possible other options that you would like to see White Sox pursue. Honestly, at this point, I'm really struggling to try to figure out what is going to be the appropriate answer in, I think, particularly the left field spot. I'm still going to hold to this position that I firmly believe Oscar Colas is going to be the starting right fielder for this team. And so they're going to take that risk with a guy coming, um, you know, from the minor leagues. He, he got a little bit of a cup of coffee at AAA at the end of the season after swinging the bat pretty well in Birmingham. But I firmly believe that's going to be your starting right fielder for the 2023 White Sox. So as far as in left field, what's going to happen, I think you're going to see this kind of platoon situation going on where Eloy is going to see some time out there between there and, and the DH spot, I kind of thought maybe if if he was going to see more time at DH, maybe a platoon with a guy like Tommy Pham, who historically has hammered left-handed pitching, and that's somebody that I've been pining for back from his days with the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, you know, another guy I thought might have made sense was Jesse Winker. But, you know, the Brewers – pull that trade off. And, you know, ironically, two guys that this fan base was talking about as possible options to fill the holes at second base and left field, Colton Wong and, and Jesse Winker, they were traded for each other. Weird how that happens. So as far as what this team is going to do at this point to try to get some left-handed balance in the lineup, because obviously that is still a major talking point here. I don't know where they go. At this point, I, I wish I did, but there's just not good options out there in the free agent market. And I don't know what the hell this team is going to be able to pull off from a trade standpoint. So I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting because obviously Rick Hans said that trade market may be more fruitful than um, free agency uh, that he prefaced the offseason with that. So um, we've heard some rumors about Liam Hendricks possibly being on the block. I don't think TA is going anywhere. That, that was at least the report from Ken Rosenthal saying that. Um, so it would be interesting to see who they could net. And obviously it's a little easier to go and just scope out some free agents because they're free agents and it just takes money to sign them. Um, whereas trades, a lot of variables involved. What do you teams want? Um, 
how does it work with supplemental players uh, that come along with it? Because I don't think I think Liam Hendricks fetches more than just one piece, right? Um, be interesting to see. Tony, any, any thoughts on potential options or anyone you have your eye on? I mean, I, I admittedly had my eyes on Cody Bellinger as as a potential option. I, I don't like him for the same reasons I don't like Joey Gallo. I just think he was a had more upside, honestly, and obviously he wound up on the north side of Chicago. I thought he would be a, a fine addition um, to take a one-year flyer on just because his body of work is obviously better than what Joey Gallo's has been. So um, I was a little disappointed that they didn't try and go out there and, and get that one done, I think. Um, when you look at what the White Sox are rumored to go pay uh, Gallo here, you could have done the same thing with a, a higher upside guy. And Johnny, you know this, we talk about it all the time. You know, the competition for eyes in the city of Chicago. I think that this kind of just reeks of, you know, little brother syndrome from Rick Hahn here after the Cubs went and got. What, uh, on, on, on what basis do you think that Cody Bellinger is, is a better option than Joey Gallo? I mean, you're talking about a former MVP that comes out three of years the, ago. He's literally been one of the five worst hitters in the sport for the last two full seasons. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't say I, I I didn't say that I wanted him based on his last few years. I'm just talking about higher upside that you can unlock. I think that you look at Joey Gallo and you kind of just evaluate it. This is just my intuition on it. Here's a guy that's hit 160 over the last two years, never really has hit for high average and um, you know, big prime time teams that he's played for. And then you look at Cody Ballinger and you see a guy that reached the pinnacle of the sport. So I would say that, you know, the upside on Cody Ballinger, just looking at it very surface level is a little bit higher than Joey Gallo. And if that's worth, if, if the market rate for Joey Gallo is 10 mil, which I'm not going to argue because I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm not going to argue that that's not what he might be able to go fetch. I would rather go have Cody Bellinger if we're going to go take a flyer on something. At least I can sell it in my mind and say, here's a former MVP. Maybe he can figure himself out versus a guy that's never been able to figure himself out. That's just kind of where I'm at with it. Interesting. It would have cost more, obviously, too. I'm um, just seeing what. I mean, a couple, mil- a couple million dollars right there. I, I don't know. Like, it's seven, point, yeah. seven million more. Yeah, it was 17. What do you get? 17? 17. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, so it's, that's it's, it's steep, steep when we go back and look at Rick. That Hans, is a little uh, bit steeper. That, yeah. that is a little bit steeper. And, yeah. you know, at this point, I'm, I'm sitting here going like, what? is as Adam Engel like the worst option to be one of those guys at this point? At least he's familiar oh here. We're, I mean, here. we're here with this. We're it's here with right, the, yes. It's right, right handed though. Uh, right handed again. And he's, you know. But then why are you trying to move on from Gavin Sheets if, if that's the option here? Who's. Uh, Who's trying to move on from Gavin Sheets? If you're signing Joey Gallo, what kind of what kind of playing time does Sheets get outside of some platoon first base and probably back over to Charlotte? Like, really, what what purpose does he serve on this roster when you've got a guy making ten million dollars to come in and do exactly what he was doing already? Well, he comes in and fills in when Gallo's on like a twenty four game drought. That's what happens. <laughs> you have to make a trade. You have to make a trade. You have to make a trade at that point. And, and the, the sad part is, and the frustrating part is, is that there were options to solve this problem years ago that weren't addressed. And we're just going to go in circles until the next rebuild. And that's the biggest fear, I think, of every White Sox fan yeah. is that 
we didn't do enough to get the job done. The sense of impending doom is looming largely over the White Sox offseason. Well, Johnny, as a Hawks fan, you're sitting here and it's like, we're in that point right now where it's like the 2017 Hawks and you're like, what do you do? Except they never won a fucking championship. Yeah. It's scary hours here in White Sox land, guys. (laughs) It really is. Um, Oh, man. What's next? I guess I feel like it's going to things are going to die down. You might see a few more signings, trades go on before, but I feel like things shut down. Christmas holiday, it's not going to resume until after the new year. Well, you, didn't we get Edwin and Carnacion on like Christmas one year? We did. Yeah. So I I feel like realistically we probably have about two weeks here before things really kind of die down for the holiday season. Um, obviously, as we know, uh, we're 16 days away from Festivus. So that is, you know, officially the beginning of the holiday season. I heard so, Steve's going to film his setting up of his Festivus poll and share it with us here. I mean, the, I mean, the Festivus poll is already it's already been shared on Twitter.com. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's the reason for the season. You didn't do a full documentary of how you unpack the Festivus or, poll. Like, I think that's what people are, are here yeah. for. I mean, see, the great thing about it is that it just it doesn't require any fanfare. It doesn't require any decoration. That's why it's perfect. This goes up. What what about airing of grievances? Are we gonna get are we gonna get some of those from Steve? Oh, Tony? trust me, I, I got a lot of problems with a lot of the motherfuckers, you know, over on Twitter.com. Believe me, I don't know, I don't know if you guys know <laughs> that, but uh, you know, <laughs> I think we want your White Sox grievances, Steve. Can we expect a an, a White Sox festivus? airing of grievances article on on tapsports.com this year. You know, I I think I can arrange that cuz um yeah, I've got some problems with some people. So, I yeah. like it. I I've got some some to share as well in both White Sox land and in general. Um but I I, th- I think we can make that happen, Tony. You you got some? You got some lined up? I've got grievances. Okay. I've got, I've got grievances. I've never aired grievances before, but I think I can give it a try and see if what? I can get into the festive spirit. You know, I kind of thought after, you know, the other day in the uh, in the group text, maybe you were, uh, you know, going to throw out a challenge for our feats of strength. Man. <laughs> you know, you're getting awfully puffy chested in there. I was I was a little angry that day, Steve. I was I was dealing with some things and I got a little angry and I wanted to just, you know, argue about something else. Well, and so I I sent what I sent, and I I don't know what the feats of strength is, but I I do know that I I aired maybe some grievances there I guess. Well, a little birdie told me that there's going to be a little holiday get together in the coming weeks, so I feel like that might be a good time to maybe share a few of these. We could, we could, we could, we could definitely sit around. Steve, maybe you could bring a Festivus poll. You know. I might just be the person to help arrange that. <laughs> there you go. I've I've never I've never participated in this holiday. I've got to admit, but uh, I'm very curious to see how it goes. It might be therapeutic, uh, from from what I've heard. I think in a lot of ways it would be, Anthony. There you go. I like I like that, Johnny. I, I have have you ever aired any grievances before? Oh yeah, yeah. We aired some grievances actually. I've, I've I've attended a few festivist celebrations in my day, so um, they're always fun. It's always a good time because um, it, it makes for good laughs, and it also is a good form of venting, right? 
So uh, I think that's the reason for the season <laughs> when it comes to Festivus. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to it, guys. It'll be fun. But we're, we're getting close uh, to winding down here um, on this episode of Socks on Tap. It was good to be back on the mic with you. Um, I guess the last sort of thing leading into holiday season, any White Sox-related Christmas um, gifts, uh, traditions, anything, decorations uh, that you guys done, I'm looking at. I got a nice white sock Santa hat that I love. I think I might have to break it out for the little holiday get together. I think you need to definitely wear it on the next socks on tap uh, episode that we do near Christmas, Johnny, if, if you're, uh, if you're willing to uh, throw that on, but uh, yeah, you might have to wear that to the holiday get together as well. Yeah. Also, also I got, I got a great uh, 05 world series ornament too. It always gets placed front and center uh, on the tree. Always good, always good holiday tradition, White Sox wise. Reminds me of better days. <laughs> it was the best of times. You know, I actually don't have any White Sox related Christmas ornaments. I am not a big decoration guy. I know this probably will shock you guys and our, our listeners, um, you know, to the point where uh, Mama NWI Steve really likes to chastise me every year because I don't even own a Christmas tree. And you so a Festivus poll, though. I, that's what I, that's what I tell her. I said, look, you know, I'm, I'm putting up the poll. It doesn't require any decoration. It perfectly suits my personality here. So I'm just going to go with it. So that's kind of where we're at. I may or may not have stopped at a little store known as grandstand a couple, two, three days ago to pick up some items for my nephews as uh, I typically am one to do around this holiday season. Saw a couple items in there that, you know, listen, I may make a pit stop back next week. Um, you know, I've got, to, I've got to head out east for a couple, two, three days to take care of some corporate business. Upon my return, I may very well just stop in there and who knows what I might pick up. So we'll see what happens. Well, I know Hawk Harrelson has some words about your lack of Christmas decorations. Unfriggin' believable. So... You know, it's it's at this point, Steve. <laughs> you gotta you gotta do better for Hawk here, but uh, we'll we'll help you out with some of the Christmas decor. Uh, maybe we can we can throw a Twitter poll up of uh, you know what type of White Sox Christmas decorations should Steve have in his home, and then we'll 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 get Steve some Christmas White Sox gifts so next Christmas season he can decorate uh, appropriately. Um, it sounds like he might need some help there, uh, Johnny. I I put up a a, a new. Christmas tree in my house this year. I got a nice little Christmas tree just dedicated to uh, to sports stuff down in on tap headquarters here. I did see that. Basement. You did it, share, it, share a photo with me. Yeah, it's nice. got a nice little uh, White Sox Christmas tree skirt around it. We've got the Blackhawks uh, Christmas tree star on top of it because, you know, we've got to represent all the teams that we like. And um, I, I actually, I, I love this thing. Uh, so I will be decorating, unlike Steve, uh, for Christmas with a, a dedicated Christmas tree to my favorite sports teams uh, going forward. It's a, uh, it's a new addition at Casa de Marchese and, and maybe during the holiday party, we might uh, all get to take a look at the new, uh, you know, Chicago sports Christmas tree that that's here. But uh, outside of that, I don't really have much other white Sox Christmas related uh, gifts, ornaments, decor, or any of that sort of thing. I'm new to the game, and that's why I'm trying to get Steve bought into this too. Because right, it's a process. as we talked about earlier, 
you got to keep funding this thing. Jerry needs more of your money. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. Well, um, hopefully I'll break out the uh, Santa hat. Um, White Sox Santa hat that is for uh, next episode. So um, I think we can get a little more uh, in spirit then. Well, maybe are some of these grievances um, on that show a little bit closer to the holidays. So guys, uh, that's about all we've got for this one. Listeners, thank you for tuning in uh, to this episode of Sox on Tap. Uneventful winter meetings as expected, um, but we'll continue follow the offseason as things progress. See uh, if Han does do anything for now in the holidays. We'll be back next time. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, White Sox forever. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.